right, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Excellence Cartel. My name is Alex, part of the Every Calorie Counts team, alongside Stephen Brandon. And today we are taking over the podcast. So for today's episode, we're going to be discussing how coaches fail their clients. But before we jump into all of that, let's go ahead and recap everyone's last seven days. So I'll bring up Brandon. Talk to us about your last seven days. All right. The last seven days uh, have been pretty productive. Um, I've, you know, I know on this show, a lot of times, you know, the guys, both Jeff's and um, Jason will go over client onboarding and things of that sort. So this past week, I onboarded three new clients. So everything in that direction is going well. Um, the supplement industry is picking up. I, I'm sure Jason can attest to that. So it's been a very beneficial for the supplement business that I run. Uh, it's great to see, you know, accounts across the country opening back up or, or essentially just doing more business in general. Uh, a lot of them were impacted quite, uh, you know, detrimentally during, you know, the whole COVID pandemic and things of that sort. Um, but seeing that a lot of them are, are expanding their businesses, they're going into new um, stores and, you know, expanding their locations. It's just really encouraging. So both on both fronts from a business perspective are going well. And uh, besides that, everything's good on my end. Awesome. Awesome. Tim, what you got, man? What you got? Let's hear it. Well, a lot of the same shit, right? I mean, last seven days was, you know, like I said, we, last episode, we're, we're pushing through on the gym right now. So we're speaking to a branding team. Okay. We spoke to a, a, a branding team that's out of Atlanta or something like that. You didn't really have much of a conversation with them to begin with. And they hit us with some really crazy shit as far as the branding is concerned. So I'm a little, uh, little hesitant down that path right now. That's we'll see no how that marketing. ends up unfolding. <laughs> Yeah, they, they hit us with the idea of like, I don't know, there's some verbiage in there. Where I'm like, dude, this is not a spa by any stretch of the imagination. I think you need to like reset yourself. But, um, you know, that's something that's new. Onboarded a couple of new clients myself. And then, you know, marijuana got legalized in New Jersey. So, oh, nice. Fuck yeah, about time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. I have Jason, a new reason up. to actually, actually go fucking see you, Tim. I'm, not that I right. would or anything. I'd come up there and smoke <laughs> up. Yeah, well, we... Kentucky's not so lucky. We still have no legalized marijuana. Um, And the week's gone pretty good. Um, I also onboarded a few new clients, still talking to others who want to join. A lot of preps are heating up. Um, I've got people now that are close, six weeks out, posted one of her, one of the girls. Um, Got some guys that are looking good too, that are prepping and going to be prepping later in the year. So things are solid on the business side. Um, People keep asking me about Metapure. Uh, listen, man, we are frustrated at New Ethics as much as the rest of you. Manufacturing, everything from shipping rolls to just getting things made is backed up. And um, we put our orders in with plenty of time and we're, 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 we're backordered on Metapure and we're, we're backordered on Thyroboost still. Um, Metapure should be here within two weeks though. And uh, but Thyroboost, we still are looking to find glandulars that are active and we'll make the product the way it should be. Um, we have one in testing and for some reason the test has taken three weeks. We keep bugging them and we don't have results. So, uh, like I said, we're as frustrated as y'all, but, um, hang in there with us and, uh, we'll get through this and, um, you know, keep making great products. That's about it. Nice. Nice. All right. Jeff Sue, what's going on, man? What you got? What's up? So I've been having an awesome, uh, last seven days, been a very busy week. I would say, um, Signed a couple new clients, had some some old ones come back. Uh, other ones were new, so that's always good. Um, I taught a really um, successful class on Sunday night on cycle syncing, which is like um, how to adjust your training and, and, and nutrition to uh, the menstrual cycle and little tips and tricks for women and coaches alike. Um, 
Got my fourth labs class uh, tomorrow night at 6 p.m. That's been a really hot class on uh, how to interpret lab work and troubleshoot. So um, business is great. Um, I can't complain. I also got a giant sectional delivered to my house today. Uh, the thing is like way bigger than it's way bigger than it looks online. And usually it's like <laughs> the other way. The opposite, yeah. It's usually the other way around. You know, like you see it, you see a dude, you're like, oh wow, he must be pretty big. But then you, well, never mind. Um, <laughs> that guy could have gone so so weird in that like oh my goodness forget, I, forget I said oh, that boy. it's a it's 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 a big green sectional so <laughs> dear lord you're just spending money as fast as you make it aren't you i'm trying to i'm trying to just like you know easy come easy go it comes yeah. in throw it right out <laughs> nice nice, nice. Yeah. how's your home gym coming Oh, oh, so yeah, so that's another thing. It's about a 50G gym by now. <laughs> it's no, I, I had, so so the guy who put in my mini splits, he was supposed to also subcontract an electrician and all of his electricians fell through. None of them wanted to do the job. So um, I found a guy who's willing to do it cash for 1500 bucks. And he's obviously licensed and experienced. He's actually a friend of um, a client's husband of mine. So um, he came by, took a look on Monday and he said he can definitely uh, do it. So Hopefully I'll have heat soon, you know, before it actually gets hot up here in Massachusetts. Holy cow. You still have no heat from the last time we spoke. Hey, hey, you don't have heat? I, no, no, I have heat. But I'm saying like heat in the garage, in the garage. Oh, okay, 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 okay. okay. So hey, what speaking, is the temp running over spending there? money so much? Is anybody else getting murdered in t today in the market? Nobody else woke up and lost like 50% of their life? I don't even look. I've got so much. <laughs> I, mean, in the, I just put Jesus another 20 Christ. in this week. I, I don't, I just buy low and don't look at it. I'm not looking. Yeah. It is. Yeah, I haven't looked. I haven't looked. You know, Bitcoin's going to the moon, so you know. No, I Bitcoin <laughs> dropped too. Both my crypto and the market both dropped this last it, week. It did drop a little bit, but man, keep yeah. it in there. You know, it's a long game, so. Yeah, it's, a, it's definitely a long game. Just I just keep time. buying low. I mean, yeah, I'm, a, it's, I'm, a, I'm erasing everything off my phone, so I don't have to look at it. Yeah, yeah. I haven't. I haven't logged into Merrill Lynch this whole week. I'm just. I don't want to see it. Yeah. What would be good is for Tim to do mushrooms and then just put on all his. Dude, it's all the pot apps. stocks that are killing me. It's all the goddamn pot stocks. Every single one of them's down. I'm waiting. Well, stop investing, dope man. Dope's for losers. <laughs> if you listen to the government. Oh man! All right, so here we go. I'm up. I'm up, guys. So the last seven days is breaking down personal and business. So business has been going pretty well. I did open up the gym. I'm just waiting on my certificate of occupancy, which is being like a real, real pain in the ass. Uh, the town just called me today and they're like, when are you looking to open up? I literally have all my equipment in here. I'm just waiting on them to give me that certificate. Um, and last week I signed up one client. She's she's onboarding right now. She'll get started uh, next week. So I'm excited about that. Um, the book is getting filled in, guys. The book is getting filled in. And then That's on the personal stuff, side, hell yeah, man. On the personal side, uh, I, we just came off of Valentine's Day, and uh, then it was my girlfriend's birthday a couple of days, days after that. So we rented a Wrangler, and we took it up to the Catskills, New York. Beautiful up there. It was snowing. I officially fell in love with a Wrangler. So, yeah. I bought one this right after COVID. I bought a 2006 yeah. two-door Jeep Wrangler. I love that thing. I was out tearing the hell out of Nashville during that snowstorm. What do you oh, mean yeah. after COVID? Aren't we still in this fucking bullshit? <laughs> no, it's like it went away down here in Nashville already. We're already up really? at like 1 a.m. and everything. It's like a party again. Wow, yeah. we're like triple masked up here in New Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> it's not like that down here, bro. I mean, it's it's a mix in Kentucky, but I'm still just sick of wearing that shit sometimes. I try to walk in and not wear it, and I still get yelled at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Jeff, you are up. What you got? 
Oh, man. My last seven days have been some really good highs and some really swing hard lows. Um, <laughs> I uh, We had our team retreat, and we, we all got in front of the camera and started filming content, and every single one of us got plowed over. Um, because, you know, when you're trying to create a concept, you don't have an idea right. of what the concept looks like. So the first day was really brutal. A lot of uh, nasty hits that the team endured uh, between the egos and and the understanding of where we really need to get to. And the second day, everyone rallied and came through. We, we put together a concept and started running. So we basically were able to have a successful idea put up on table for what we're trying to do with Relentless. So that was the purpose of it. We prepared everyone that the total purpose of this event was to fail as a team together. Because when you fail as a team together, you work through things together and obviously it's great. And then uh, personally, um, my uh, Ash and I decided to uh, take some time apart. So I signed the lease to a uh, house that I'm moving to up the street so we can um, have a little time apart and uh, I can work on myself for a little bit. So during the midst of a high moment, I'm getting uh, the undertow of a lower one. So I'm kind of in this place of just number one concern, making sure my son's good on the transition for a little bit and then just burying myself in work. So you motherfuckers better watch out for me. I have nothing else to do but write content, just come attacking, attacking. But um, I'm going to um, wrap up with uh, two things. One, Amino Asylum. Guys, they support us. Please support them. We got another PEC event coming up. All the money from that goes to paying for like videographers and all the stuff we do. Discount code is TEC15. And then speaking of the PEC, May 21st, May 22nd, Nashville, Tennessee. It is on www.physiqueeducationcollective.com. You can pick your tickets up. I think we've already sold like five or 10 already. Nice. Like it's starting to move pretty quick. So if you guys are looking for a good time, it's going to be at my gym, Iron House. We're shutting it down for the day. So it'll just be kind of an exclusive area for a little bit. Um, the flyer's out there. So be sure to check it out. If you guys have any questions, hit us up. But Alex, man, I got to say that voice is making me want to, I'm going to start yeah, like practicing like in the huh? shower. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, welcome back to Jackson's Cartel. I need to sound like way yeah, smoother man. and shit. Yeah, you like, make him feel real good about this. I mean, I've always dreamed about like just being on the radio. Like people always told me like I have a face for radio and I was like, man, I took that as a really good compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, you got a good voice, man. I'm over here. Like, I mean, if I didn't know you on the phone, I mean, I'd be like, Hey, what's up? Yeah, yeah, man. We're talking. All right. Tinder days <laughs> must go well for you. Uh, <laughs> but I'll turn it back to you to take it over, man. All right. So we're jumping into today's topic. We're going to be talking about how coaches fail their clients. So we're kind of going to really do like a roundtable uh, talk over here. So let's pop it off. I mean, I want to start again with uh, with Brandon up there. Brandon, you better bring the fucking thunder on oh, this yeah. one. All right. Um, all right. So one thing that I see quite uh, commonly, and this is something, the prelude to our show, Tim and I go back and forth about the cookie cutter programs that we receive, you know, from new clients that came from, you know, other well-known clients or other well-known coaches. And I think that's a huge um, issue in our industry. First and foremost, everyone always brings that up, the, the cookie cutter programs, the fact that, you know, there's no customization in coaching anymore because there's so many coaches that want to scale up their business to a point where they're essentially volume coaches. They're looking at the roster in terms of how large can I grow this? And with those cookie cutter programs comes a lack of attention to detail, which really does a disservice to the client themselves. So what I'm seeing and, and what I think is a huge issue within this industry and how uh, coaches fail their clients is that they're not paying enough 
you know, specific attention to the client needs. There are many methods that work and, and there are many, you know, ways that we can get from point A to point Z, but not, not every method will work for every client. So we have to realize that it's the attention to detail that really gets someone from good to great, especially in terms of a coaching uh, relationship. And we have to pay attention not only to the physiological side of things, but also the psychological side of things. So this is something I touch on a lot is that a lot of times coaches will only focus on the X's and O's. They're essentially macro calculators. They'll focus on the calorie constant, maybe the, the training uh, variables, you know, the sets and reps, but they're not, you know, taking into consideration other factors, other biomarkers and other psychological aspects of that client's lifestyle or, you know, their work environment or their lifestyle stress or the relationships that really do impact their ability to respond to that program. So that's one of the biggest things that I see within, you know, uh, new clients that come to me, I see what they've gotten. And I, you know, oftentimes, and this is something Tim and I have went back and forth on many times, is that I'll receive multiple new clients from this same coach and all their program is essentially the same. They have the same type of, oh, yeah. you know, breakdown. They have the same type of, you know, food groupings. They have the same type of training system. Well, if two clients are completely, you know, genetically inter-individual, you know, specimens, and with completely different goals, how are you prescribing these same things to these two completely different people? So that's a huge thing I think is an issue in this industry and really needs to be addressed. Guys, if you're seeing that your coach is sending you out things that look the same as your friend that's on you know, the same team as you, that should be a red flag. Things should be customized and a coach should be able to explain why there are these little intricacies and these minute details that are different for you than they are for another person. Right. Yeah. See, I want to jump in though, but if you're on the gen pop side, that is identifying target audience. And specifically in that essence, you would have a cookie cutter program because I deal with gen pop people. The majority of gen pop people who come to me are very uneducated in a gym. Don't like Sue's had, will try to eat raw chicken because they'll say like four ounces of chicken and they'll just eat the fucking raw chicken or, or things like that. So a lot of it is very, very scoped down. The workouts are all similar. You know, it's all broken out very similar. So I think with what you're saying, Brandon's hundred percent true on the competitor side, but on the gym pop, if you're looking to scale, that's why I moved into gym pop. It's heavily with what, with what I've been recruiting as far as coaches underneath me, because I see that there's a niche in the market that you can exploit right now with the growth of gut health and hormone health. And if you understand that target audience, you can refine it and assassinate it with target ads. So that's what I have been doing. So I'm specifically on that one. Go for it. Uh, yeah. So I just want, want to go back to that because actually Jeff specifically, I was on a, uh, a console call with Jeff earlier last year, actually right when COVID hit. And he actually encouraged me to diversify my clientele. Because at the time, I was taking predominantly competitors. I was taking athletes from different disciplines. And I really focused on that sector because that's my passion. But he expanded my mind to taking on GenPop clients. And since that time, now, I won't say I have the experience that Jeff does with GenPop. But I will say that I don't, I don't agree with that. Because let's look at the, the individuality of the person itself. Yes, you could have a template which would be your, your go-to um, approaches for the average person. But now we have to look at the, the differences in that individual. So if they have biomechanical issues, if they have injuries, if they have you know, scheduling. So when I see uh, a cookie cutter program come over and it's the same six day a week you know, training program, but that person's lifestyle 
you know, only allocates for three to four sessions in the gym and they feel overwhelmed and that it's necessary for them to train six days a week. That's where red flag goes off to me and says, well, you didn't customize this for the individual. You didn't take into consideration their lifestyle, their scheduling, their time allocation, their time management skills. You didn't take into consideration maybe their um, preferences and things of that sort. And that's where I'm talking more of like the physiology compared to the psychology, because yes, on paper, you know, maybe this training split and this training frequency and this amount of sets, reps, and volume are what's considered optimal. But if it's not applicable or it's not something that a, a particular client, gen pop included, can adhere to, then it's not perfect for them. And it's not optimal for them because they're not going to be able to follow that. Can, can, can I jump in here, even though I know this is supposed yeah. to be kind of like a TEC versus EEC thing, ECC thing going on? I'm jumping off the top rope, elbow. He's like tagging. You're supposed to be tagging me in right now. Um, just, I, I, I think I'm kind of like in between you two with this a little bit here, where, Bryn, I, I agree with you that there's got to be some sort of customization, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just as an example, I had somebody come to me recently, and she had an ACL that she tore on her right knee. Um, and now we... I, she wants to get back on stage. So we have a lot of work that we have to do. And I know gen pop, bikini competitor, whatever. But the bottom line is I had to manipulate a plan to be able to support that process in terms of her leg growth ultimately, right? But when it comes to the process overall, right? So that to me is, is, is where we're manipulating details to customize per the person. But when it comes to the process overall, I'm a firm believer in the reality that, you know what? I have a fucking process. That's what you're coming to me for. To, to, for the experience, for, for, for the results I've gotten to somebody else, for the processes that I put in place to be able to help this larger majority of people. In a lot of cases, especially when we're talking about it from a psychology versus a physiological side, that's, that's those two things sometimes, the, phys the physical and the physiological side, you know, they don't work together. What somebody wants isn't always what somebody needs. And sometimes that person coming mm. to me needs to fit into this plan specifically for them to get that best result. You know what I'm saying? So sometimes I feel like as much as, I, I feel like that's almost something that we could throw, throw down here is that, you know, sometimes we try to bend so far for a client that it, we're, we're going away from what they need. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? That was actually yeah, one of Jason's right. goals this year. Yeah. Bending over right. clients. I know which, which part. The goal about where you remember you had said last year in reflection, where we were talking about our 2020 in review, yeah. you had bended to clients' decisions yes. uh, more than you wanted to. And yeah. you were getting back to center line of, no, this is the way I'm going to run it. So yeah. That part. Yeah. Yeah. I let, I let a few have a little too much leeway on a few things and it, you know, I reflected on it and realized that, you know, I need to put my foot down more. Um, on certain ones. So yeah, this, this year I won't, won't be repeating those processes, but to just weigh in on this, just so, you know, I don't know what's, I don't really want to say what's right or wrong. Um, Jeff gets people, you know, results doing it his way, but I have like Tim was saying a process and I have a, an organization to what I send out. And that same organization goes to everyone. So that part you could say is cookie cutter, but then inside of each element, like my instructions or my supplements or my intro workout stuff, all those are going to be different. I mean, even in a gen pop, there might be someone in gen pop who's pretty advanced. So I'll give them intra carbs. I know they're training hard enough, but then I'll get someone who I kind of sense doesn't really know how to train even hard yet. So I'm not going to give them intra carbs, but they're still gen pop people. 
Um, so I, I think there has to be customization, but we all, if you're a good coach, you work within a platform, you work within an organization and you organize your info the same way per client because it works for you and it works. You've seen it work over and over in terms of results. It gives someone, it's like bumper bowling, you know, you got the bumpers there, you, you set up kind of the same type of organization and it keeps the ball moving down. It might not be straight and it sometimes it goes left or right, but it gets to where it needs to go. And then you fine tune the minute details. So that's where I, so I, I think, I guess I'm probably more along with like what Tim's saying. So I want to jump in here real quick and say that, um, you know, like what Jason just said, a lot of us coaches out there for people who are looking for coaches or just people listening we, we all have like, like sort of like an exercise database, like a list of things that we have people do. Like we don't create like a fresh routine for every single client. We will grab and take like certain exercises that we think is like good for, you know, a particular person in terms of their experience level, you know, so like not everyone's going to be free weight squatting, for example, we might put in a leg press instead, or just a leg extension or a body weight lunge or something like that. So in that degree, it is customized, but not like, I don't write a, a fresh routine from scratch. I don't know if any of you guys do for every single new client, you know? Um, and the other thing, Jason, what you said about, you know, not you, you felt like you didn't put your foot down. Um, you know, I had a couple situations like that in the past year, very recently where I did put my foot down and like I, I specifically, there was one younger girl who I wanted her eating healthy food. She wanted to do if it fits your macros and fit meals out and all this stuff. And she had uncontrolled blood sugar. And I said, no, this is how we're going to do things. She ended up leaving me, went to another coach. I had a younger kid who wanted to push gear. I said, no, he ended up going to a younger guy who wanted to push gear and grow him a little bit faster. And do I regret that? No, because I have my own values. I have my own brand. I have my own coaching strategies and I believe in what I believe in. If it doesn't fit, it doesn't fit. Go somewhere else. So yeah, hundred percent. No, Jeff, I want to, I want to tie both of those things in. So what, yeah. when I say a cookie cutter program, I'm saying when you've received multiple clients from a particular coach and oh. their programming looks almost exactly the same. So it's not that we don't have a template. It's not that I think I'll tell you from my own coaching perspective, I have what I call high priority principles. These are the principles that I know work well for the clientele that I've worked with in my experience. They're based on, you know, some of them are based on experience. Some of them are based on research and I'll cater those, you know, those principles and I'll manipulate those variables based on the clientele themselves. But when I see, you know, multiple clients from the same person with the exact same training program, despite them being in different classes or one being gen pop, one being a competitor, that's where an alarm goes off. And I say, this person is just going after volume and there's nothing wrong with building a business. You know, guys, I know Jeff has spoke on, on his show about this um, or both Jeff's actually about how well they've scaled their businesses in the past year, which I'm hundred percent for. If you have both the time and the skills to allocate the proper attention to detail to each client, which I'm sure you guys do because I've, I've seen the results that you've gotten with clients. So you guys are getting results, but when someone's kind of just like, you know, this high level coach or quote unquote high level coach, and they have three, 400 athletes, but every you know program looks the same. And all you're seeing is a few of their clients that are genetic specimens that respond well to the program. I think that's something that we need to get away with because just because, you know, a, a program or an approach works for 5% of your clientele doesn't mean that it's going to work for the rest. And so I, I see that a lot of times that they're trying to apply the same type of approach that they have with every single person that comes to them. And I think that's a disservice to a client because a client comes to you for your expertise. Yes. But they also come to you for a program that's fit for them. 
I 100% agree. We dropped Alex, so I'll steer this till he jumps back on. Sue, where do you think coaches fail at? I, I personally think it's when people don't ask the right questions, like in check-ins, because uh, clients don't. So the, one of the reasons why clients, you know, come to you for coaching is because they don't know how to feel. They don't know what to look for in terms of what's right and what's wrong. So if you don't ask, they won't tell and things will just go on and fester for months and months and months and you won't ever know about it. So I think one of the defining characteristics of a good coach is to understand how all the various systems of the body connect with each other, but also like ask about like, you know, mental, you know, habits or thinking patterns or emotional states of mind uh, with the clients, because that can, you know, tie into all of it as well. Obviously we know stress is, you know, not only real world, but also perceived. So if a client is, you know, always thinking about something and you're not asking about, oh, what are you, what, what's bothering you? What's stressing you out? That you're missing a huge, huge cue right there. And you could be, you know, then adjusting your programming for training or cardio or nutrition when you shouldn't need to, and you should be coaching the, the perceived stress instead. So um, knowing what to ask is very important, asking it in a timely way and, and oftentimes a direct fashion. So the client is, um, you know, more comfortable and open to discussing that. Who wants to tag in? There you go, Brandon. Yeah, no, Jeff, I, I had actually had that on my list. Um, I'm a mm -hmm. big fan of extensive check-in forms because if you don't ask, they won't tell, just like you said. And the thing is that oftentimes when a client comes to you, they're only thinking about the X's and O's of coaching. You know, a lot of times they'll think about, well, did I, did I stick to my nutrition? You know, hundred percent or no, you know, yes or no. Did I get my training sessions in that, you know, were allocated for the week? I'm, I'm on a training program. That's five days a week. I hit them all perfect. And then your cardio and they forget about all the other outside factors that could be influencing their ability to see results from the program they're following. So that's where I think it's on us as coaches to ask for deeper biofeedback. So that should be on their sleep quality, their digestion, their stress levels, you know, any mental or emotional, you know, um, distress that they're in, you know, things even deeper than that, you know, health markers such as uh, resting uh, heart rate, blood pressure, um, fasted glucose levels. You know, I, I've had, you know, new clients come to me that their previous coaches had never asked for that or never had them do regular blood work. And I've had several people come to me that were actually, in, you know, I just had a recent um, uh, situation where a client from actually a really well-known coach came to me and was in stage one kidney failure. You know, his EGFR was at 52. Yeah. And yeah. so with that being said, it was, you know, I asked him, I said, listen, you know, when's the last time you had blood work? You know, nine months ago. Well, how long did you work with this coach? And he said six or seven months, you know, during that whole you know, process of working with that coach, the coach had never asked for blood work, but had had him running gear and doing things that were deleterious to his health. And that most likely impacted those kidney markers. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's asking for further details because this person came to me. Yes. You know, I initially made him get blood work at the front, but he had no idea. He felt fine. You know, he had no accurate reading. So, you know, he had no um, biomarkers being, you know, measured on a weekly basis. So I had him get blood work because after the first check-in, I saw that his fasted glucose was, was through the roof. He was already in pre-diabetic levels. He was around 103 nanograms or milligrams per deciliter. And his, his blood pressure was 140 over 95. So that automatically, you know, kind of raised something to me that this isn't transient. This didn't, didn't just, you know, accrue overnight in the one week that I was working with this individual. So I asked for more, I asked for blood work. We went through the panels, but this individual had no idea. And it was because that coach didn't ask for more and that client didn't know any better. So it's, we need to dig deeper. We need to do our, our clients a service and realize we're not only looking out for their body composition, the results they want, but we're also taking on the role of helping with their health and longevity. 
Alex, I just spotted for you for a minute. Anyone you guys want to follow up on that before that, Alex? Um, so what I did was I went to um, <clears throat> Sue, and then after that, whoever wants you get. If you guys want to chime on anything, anyone, anything there before I turn it back over to Alex? No, I'm good. All right, cool. Alex, yours back. All right, yeah, yeah. I just got kicked off of the Wi-Fi, so I have to reboot real quick. Um, where are we at, guys? I know I just came back in. We were kind of going round table. So <laughs> you can ask Tim or Jason or myself where we think coaches fail. All right. So we heard from Tim. Yeah, Jason, what, 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 what do you think? Oh God. There I've been in this business for 16 years, and there's a many, many places I've failed. Um, or you know, I see coaches fail. <laughs> Uh, one of the big ones, though, today is I think I still see coaches who only understand nutrition, training, and cardio. And a client comes in and says, I want to cut, and they just go ahead and put them in a cut. They're not looking at how's their digestion, how's their sleep, um, how's, you know, all these different things, anxiety, all these different things that I make sure I ask about on, on a checklist um, and a lot of times you find out that these people just aren't ready to, to be put into a cut. They need certain functions addressed. They need rest, actually less spin class, um, and, and work the food up and then cut in four months. And so, you know, I have to have a discussion a lot when I see my MSQ, that's my metabolic stress questionnaire. When I see a lot of these come back and, you know, it's a female who says, oh, I want to cut. And, you know, she's got a score on the gut part of 18 and anxiety's high and she's water retention, all these different things start to go off in my mind, um, history of birth control. So all these different things that a lot of people aren't ready to cut and coaches are just throwing them in a cut because all they know is cardio training and, you know, uh, diet. Yeah. And so that's where I see some big, big issues. Yeah. Tim was about to cut my head off. I was like, yeah, we heard from Tim and Tim was like, what? What? <laughs> Go well, ahead, I'll, I'll, follow, I'll follow up on Jason first. And then I guess I'll throw mine out there afterwards, unless you want Jeff Lack to go before me, which would be a crime. But, um, you Thank know, you. as far as Jason's uh, comment is concerned, I think, you know, I think that's one thing all of us here have kind of, you know, gone through in the past, right? We've all experienced this the hard way. We've all learned from this the hard way where, you know, we've done that before. At least I know I have. I've taken clients and I've put them through something and I could not figure out why the fuck this person was eating 100 grams of carbs at the time and, you know, whatever, 1400 calories and wasn't losing an ounce of weight. And I, I, I couldn't figure it out. And it was, you know, later on, we've started to develop these understandings um, and, and, and start to figure this out. And now, you know, I'm at the point where it's, it, I, I posted on Instagram the other day, if you come to me for, you know, weight loss, there's a good chance I'm going to make you eat a lot before we ever even talk about weight loss. If you come to me to build muscle, there's a good chance I'm going to make you eat very, very fucking little for a period of time before you even consider muscle development. If you come to me for, you know, contest prep, there's a good chance I'm going to tell you you're a year out from contest prep in a lot of cases, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's so much work that needs to be done in the background there to lead up to being prepared and ready to go for these competitions. To Jason's point, this isn't just something where it's as easy as like, let's say, okay, let's get your heart rate back down. Your, your heart rate right now is 68 to 75 
every morning. That's insane. Let's get that sucker down. This might be a psychological thing where they are dealing with a lot of anxiety. They are, you know, dealing with a poor relationship with food, a poor relationship with themselves, a poor relationship with the gym is one that I see all the time where people are just using that gym as more of a therapy outlet instead of something that's more um, optimal in terms of our goals or concerns. So, you know, there's almost like a whole mindset and lifestyle change, routine change that needs to go down there, you know, before we can even consider, you know, a, a responsive body as it relates to things like contest prep, weight loss, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So did you already, you already went? I already went. I have another one if you guys want me to go yeah. again, but. Damn, yeah, just skipping over Jeff Black over here. <laughs> I, I mean, what about Tim for no, crying I'm, out I'm, loud? What am I fucking it, so it, white? I'm invisible. It's okay. What's the deal? <laughs> well, well I'll, I'll just be quiet. <clears throat> no, go ahead, Black. You want Jeff, to you Jeff Black, you're up. You're up. <laughs> yeah. I think yeah, Tim can. wants all the smoke. The only thing sticking out on his ass is that badass, shitty beard and purple hat. But, <laughs> <laughs> but it's not purple. It's the color purple. You know, it's the color thing that's going on here. It's black. Cool, dude. You got to stop wearing he that wears one, man. purple a lot. Like every podcast that we do, it seems like he's wearing purple. Yeah, <laughs> he always is. That's like what it is. <clears throat> Where I think actually coaches fail their clients is they actually go consult other coaches, copy what they hear from the coaches, and then go immediately try to apply it without taking a moment to fucking understand it. And oh boy. Yeah. yeah, that's a, I'm going to open it. You know, oh, I'm one of those. I watch that all the time. I'll watch it go down. People get me on a call for a business consult consultation. Me and I watch them like go to try to do that. I'm like, you don't understand. Like, it's not as easy as listening to someone spit this for 60 minutes or thinking, hanging with them for a little bit. You're going to get all the good ideas and grease and be able to go out there and make a six figure business too. It doesn't yeah. work that way. Yeah. What you see with me is yeah. 16 years of getting a, my fucking ass kicked in left and right. And like making a dipshit of myself with my all over social media, you know, in the process of doing it. It's a good, I look back years ago and I'm like, man, I was really stupid. And now I'm like, nah, I kind of smart. So I think that that's where a lot of coaches fuck up because then they get these clients and then, you know, like much to what, you know, Brandon was saying, he'll get them. And it's like, oh shit. Well, here you go. Just some guy who just, or lady coach who just did the same thing. But I honestly think that's where coaches are failing now in the industry because there's this information grab and anyone can get it anywhere. Shit. We're doing it with the PEC. You know, I mean, people are just yeah. coming and buying the education and turning and burning it. And I think that there's almost a disservice there to some degree in all honesty. Yeah. hundred um, percent. I want to, yeah. I want to, dive in on this a little bit because go for I, it go balls deep sue yeah. balls deep <laughs> i deal with this shit all the time and here's the thing like i i would just want to say that all of us here who are successful at coaching who have you know the six-figure businesses you know close to 100 clients all that stuff we would be good at anything that we do because we just happen to love coaching so we're even better at it because we love it but you know i know you know like jason was a corporate lawyer you know i was in finance you know like we all have done like great things like prior to this and we all have like right, know, yeah. backgrounds and all that stuff but um you know i just feel like even with all the knowledge out there these books that are out there we always talk about these books like you know cortisol connection why zebras don't get ulcers the hormone cure so uh you know woman code all this stuff right but people i'm still getting people who read these books but they still don't understand this stuff i'm just like i don't i mean this isn't me saying that i'm super fucking smart because i didn't go to harvard you know but when i read a book I understand you look like you did. I read, you know, like I, I, I know that just be like when you read something, you understand it, or if you don't understand it, read it again. And, and, and so without even understanding it, they start applying this stuff 
and and it's just a whole like hodgepodge of like mistakes and like it's like a jumbled ball, ball of yarn and i'm just like go back and read the book again before you decide to repurpose the words and make a facebook post and make it sound like you know this shit to people for coaching and that's the problem and i'm just telling you that these coaches who are doing that it makes them look good on social media but behind the scenes they don't know what the fuck they're doing you know i i actually yeah. talked to vince about this after the pec the last one um, you know, and, and, there, and there was a good, I, I felt like after speaking to some people that the, the, the wrong message was being heard, not that the wrong message was being said at all, but that the wrong message was being heard in certain cases where it's like the people are walking away from there thinking like, oh, you know, this is great for women and this is great for estrogen dominance. And it's like, there's, there's so much context there. And it's like, if you don't even understand what the word estrogen dominance means in total, right. like don't go applying these things without a better level uh -oh. of attention. Because in reality, now we have a female that's got, uh, you know, a, a 28 estradiol taking estro court because she's thinking, you know, the coach is thinking estrogen dominance, you know what I mean? Um, and it's like, it's not always that simplistic to just cherry pick, you know, a couple of words and think that you can comprehend it in that way. And we see it a lot on, 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 on some of this content that's being produced nowadays. I say the word content light, lightly or loosely, you know, the reality is content is like, you know, and, and, and that's one that drives me nuts lately is the estrogen dominance one, right? Because ever since, you know, uh, guys like Jason kind of spearheaded this functional movement. The reality is we have a lot of people that just don't understand systems and how those things work together. And we have people that are banging down the door of these individual systems, not realizing how they're impacting all these systems right. that work so well together. And it's like estrogen dominance is the one that drives me fucking nuts. And it's like, they, they keep throwing this word out there with little understanding of what it means. And they keep talking about estrogen, 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 estrogen. It's like, you have no concept of what's going on there entirely. Like what about, you know, the ratio, all the different things that can go into play there. And it's just, like I said, it's, it's frustrating and almost maddening um, that we are in a scenario. It, it goes, works both ways, right? It's a market in which we can create businesses that allow us to thrive. But that same market that allows us to thrive allows these other, you know, uh, uh, circumstances to come up with these people that are just throwing out, you know, the shitty information over and over and over again. It's like no matter how well we get away from, you know, that that Insta coach world that kind of started to develop itself there and like, uh, you know, uh, with with Instagram, you know, no matter how far we've gotten away from that with some people being very credible, even coming from that, you know, segment, there's still these little things that, that breed and, and, and come out of nowhere. Um, and, and just really like, you know, bring us all to shit in some cases. Well, at the end of the day, I mean, I think it's just like, like a greed thing, you know, people see, you know, you can make a, you can make a lot of money doing this and people want to make that kind of money quick. You know, I, I still remember when I first started, like my first client, it was this bikini girl. She was like 130 something pounds. I tried to diet her on 220 grams of protein. It's like, it's like I, I learned, you know, by making mistakes, I made sure I knew what to do with macros and how to adjust things and where they should be first before I even got into digestion and stress and all this stuff. And now people are like skipping the macros part and going straight to troubleshooting estrogen dominance. And they're like testing uh, the hormones at like day two in the follicular phase, you're like, oh, well, yeah. this is girl's estrogen dominant. Well, no shit, because they're, they're, it's all estrogen in the follicular yeah, phase. <laughs> so, <laughs> so to kind of kind of bring this full circle, I mean, I, I think uh, Jeff Sue, uh, you you mentioned that we kind of all have different backgrounds. I, I, I part of this group, I, I, I see myself as like the the ultimate rookie over here. Um, I have like a background. I was in the military. 
Um, before that, like I did a lot of sales. And then ultimately, like in my early 20s, when I started to jump into the into the fitness industry, um, I kind of like wiggled my way around. Then I jumped out. I went into the military. I came back out. I felt like this is where my heart is. And through all those years, I just kept learning like little by little by little. And I think that that's where uh, a lot of people try to skip. I think maybe a lot of coaches just try to jump right in, just like a lot of what you said, uh, where coaches see that you can make a lot of money on online and they just try to do it and then just try to like regurgitate things that they hear or see other good coaches do. Um, and that, and that, that absolutely is where I think also a lot of coaches fail. Um, me personally, I, I, I love the learning process. So being part of the ECC team, like, uh, we're getting ready to prep a female competitor. And, and, I, and I straight up told her, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I'm going to have Tim help me out over here. And I, and I let her know that so that I can learn the process as well and kind of like keep learning that information and being able to apply that to the next one once that next one does come around. But yeah, absolutely. I, I think enjoy the process of learning. Um, don't fail your clients by just talking like out of your ass. Don't, don't keep repeating things that you might not truly understand. I, I agree with a lot of what, with what a lot of you guys said. Yeah, I think everyone does understand their target audience. They haven't like thought about like their, you know, like Sue's talked about with marketing, your your client avatar. Who is it that you would yeah. really love to work with? And who is it that really brings you joy and things like that? And everyone makes a grandstand out there for everyone and everything. And it's like, you know, I turned away too this week because I'm like, I'm not the right fit for you. You're going to want someone who does more competition. And I handed out a few names, you know, went about my business. So, yeah. Um, but yeah. I agree with that. Tim, your hat's still uh, Jeff, fucking purple. No, it's not. I fucking, I, I posted it on Instagram. Everything <laughs> had to look, all right? Look, all right. Take Prince, a poll. Prince I'm not resharing it. Got laid plenty. I'm not resharing it. Not What's resharing that? It. I'm not resharing it. It won't exist on my page. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Brandon, what were you going to say? I cut you off like an asshole. All good, man. No, I wanted to follow up with what you said, because one of the points I wanted to hit on that coaches are, are failing their clients in is I feel a lot of coaches, they don't screen their clients well enough. So they are not collecting. I go back and forth with people when, when they inquire about coaching. It isn't just, let me send you my rates. I want to get to know you. I want to hear about your goals. I want to know about your training experience. I want to hear about your lifestyle, what you do for work. I want to get a bunch of information before I even you know waste either of our times and send you an intake form and take your payment. You know, My whole thing with the assessment off the bat is, is this person a good fit for me? Is my coaching skills, my coaching practices what's going to be best for them? And am I really going to be able to help this individual? And often what I see is I'll have, you know, I'll hear from other friends or I'll, I'll have other clients come to me and say, you know, this didn't work out with this individual, you know, their coaching style, you know, wasn't fit for me or I wasn't fit for it. And the thing is, it, it could have just been stopped off the bat. If, if coaches weren't so greedy to try to, you know, make more money and, you know, get more clients in the door, Jeff, like you said, you turn people away all the time and as do I, and I'm sure everyone on this panel does, because if you realize that this person is either going to be a problem client, or maybe they just don't fit within your demographic or your target audience, or, or even maybe, you know, we have to realize that we are not all knowing. So there are times that people come to me and this is a big thing I have an issue in that some coaches, they operate outside of their scope and outside of their expertise and they want to be the end-all be-all for everything. They want to be, you know, a functional medicine practitioner. They want to be an endocrinologist. They want to be, you know, a hormone replacement specialist. They want to be, you know, a metabolic master, you know, and, and all these things. But if that's not really your area of expertise and you don't have enough knowledge and experience and application within that, you're doing your clients a disservice. And we could easily avoid all the shitty coaching experiences or a majority of them if coaches were just honest and said, 
hey, listen, I'm not the right fit for you, but I have a referral network. And I have that myself. I've referred you know, clients to other people like Jason, to Austin, to all different types of people because they, the things that were coming to me with were outside of my expertise. And I, you know, not that I'm not willing to t- try to learn, but if I could send them to someone who has much more experience and expertise within that field and who could truly help them without going all throughout all these stumbling blocks, why would I, you know, let me save, you know, that client, the hassle as well as myself and really guide them in a better direction. Yeah, dude, I started doing zoom consults now. <clears throat> so yesterday I had three consults. I brought them all on zoom and I said, so this is most people go, what is online training? And I showed them exactly what I do. I was able to really get to know them and break it down. Went three for three, closed all three. Um, awesome. just because it was the understanding they got the big picture of what it was. So I agree with what you're saying. If, if you ask, like Sue said, the right questions and you understand, mm-hmm. you know, what your skill set is, then if you get them on a zoom, you get a chance to meet, make a personal connection. And at that point, they get to make a decision. If that offense that they see is the right fit for them, because that's a lot of this is, it's just offense defense. Absolutely. Right, let's bring it around. Let's bring it around. Yeah. Fucking Go ahead, Tim. Man. Jesus Christ. Let me. <laughs> All right. You're breaking your knuckles. You don't so... fucking want none. <laughs> Dude, I didn't even get to go yet for crying out loud. Can I get some fucking time? It's here? by design you haven't gone yet, Tim. You just haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> Collaboration in the back channel. Shut Tim the fuck up. That's what it is. <laughs> All right. We done? We done? Are we done? Let's clear the airways for a second. All right. <laughs> So um, I had this weird idea that we were actually talking to like, you know, some, some, some good coaches. Like I know the TEC in and of itself is, you know, it's, it, it's, I, I think it attracts a certain audience. You know what I mean? So really when I, when I thought about this, I really didn't think about, you know, um, how, uh, you know, I, I see it come across from maybe sh- lesser level coaches, so to speak, in terms of what they might be doing in a detrimental way. I was looking at it from the perspective of what, what can we impart to people that are already doing a good job to bring their clients to another level? Like how might they be failing their clientele? And what I came up with was one thing that I've heard people talk against in plenty of times too, is, you know, pre-planning, right? And I, I hear this, this, this argument against it all the time when people are talking about, well, I don't know how this person's going to react. You know, it's always something that I want to, you know, uh, uh, have an open game plan for so that I can make this change and make that change. And I completely and totally understand that. But from my perspective, pre-planning for even a long-term time frame for clients. So when I get somebody, I'll literally have a schedule set up for them and I will show them flat out, even if they're beginning with me, we have an acclimation period that might be two weeks. So I can make sure that that person's hundred percent to their plan. Um, and then we're going to go right into maybe it's a 12 week, uh, you know, gut phase where we're, you, we're on the antimicrobials, we're going through the kill phase, and then we'll go through a repopulation after that. Um, you know, if I have a client that's looking to put on muscle tissue, from there, it's going to be, you know, here's our 12-week push phase, and then here's our four to six-week uh uh, sensitivity phase. And then we'll go back into a 12 to 14 week, you know, push phase. If it's a contest prep client that, you know, we'll outline their contest prep, you know, even maybe allocate some time there for a little bit of a diet break here and there post contest prep, there's going to be a schedule that's set up already for, you know, reverse dieting phase. And then, you know, from there, maybe even a small maintenance period before we go into a 12 to 14 week push, but I can schedule a client for literally 12 months in advance 
right? Pretty fucking easily, pretty quickly. And the reality is, is that going to change? Is that subject to change? Absolutely. And I tell my clients all the time, listen, I coach based on what's in front of me. This entire process is, a, is, is, is an opportunity for me to collect as much data on you as possible. And things are always subject to change and we can always move these goals around. But what I'm doing here is I'm creating small goals for us to, 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 to get to in these timeframes and then long-term goals at the same time. So what I'm doing is not only am I, you know, keeping us organized, keeping us scheduled, right? I have a better understanding within this schedule of, you know, maybe what performance enhancers we're on, um, you know, how long we've been within, you know, how long they've been using Metapure before this gut phase, how long they've been using uh, Biocidin or, or, or Candy Back or whatever it might be. How long have we been using these different supplements for within these different phases? You know what I mean? Again, it's just a more organized, well-rounded approach from my perspective. And it gives the client a very clear cut expectation of what should be happening right now. Right. And I think with that, that level of expectation, adherence goes up because they, they understand what the goal is right now. You know what I mean? And not only that, it's something where now we can also reflect later on. And if I have a client that's maybe been less than consistent on their diet through a gut phase, which is a perfect example, right? Sue and I talked, we, we, we all talked about this when Sue was on for the SIBO thing. We have like a 50-50 chance at that person following through with such a strict diet protocol during a gut phase, right? If that person um, if I'm writing into this schedule over and over and over again, the person had a little bit of a mistake here, a little bit of a mistake here, a little bit of a mistake here. And we're building that data within this schedule after that schedule is over and maybe they didn't get the result that they want. We can collectively even get on a phone call if it's necessary and say, listen, let's open up your G drive. Let's look at this folder and I can go back and show them you had 12 weeks here, dude. We did, I told you every single check-in, we got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do this. If you failed, why do you think that is? And we have some data here to support it. But overall, what I think planning does is like I said, just gives us more direction, more consistency, more adherence, uh, within those things. And then again, the argument that I see again against this all the time to me is, is, is simply overstated in that things change. Uh, no shit things change. Of course they change. Right. And there's no reason why I can't change things on the fly, even as it relates to a preset schedule. Yeah. Shoot. No, Tim, uh, Tim ahead, I'm Brian. in complete agree uh, agreement with you. Uh, I believe that's just general periodization. And I think a lot of times, you know, we approach training periodization and we have these blocks that are specialized towards bringing up certain body parts or pushing volume or maybe a strength phase. But often, you know, a lot of coaches don't take the, the perspective that we should be doing that with their nutrition. We should be doing that with their supplementation, with their, you know, performance enhancers. And I take the same approach. I, I set out an outline way in advance and I work my way back from where their goal is. If it's a competitor, I'm working my way. I'm, I'm not saying, all right, we're 16 weeks to the goal. I'm taking the date in which their goal, uh, you know, yeah, competition date is, and I'm working my way back. All right, this is how long I'm assuming or I'm anticipating will be the contest prep phase. This is going to be the cruise phase previous, you know, previous to that. Before that, I'm doing a growth phase. So I'm setting up all these systems because it does increase client adherence and consistency, but it also just gives them, you know, something to look forward to, something to stay, you know, their eyes on the prize. And I think that's something that we all need. If, you know, think about it from any perspective in life, even a business perspective, if you didn't have small goals that accumulated to large goals, we'd be less likely to hit them. So that's how we should approach everything. But realize, like Tim said, things are subject to change. If something comes up in your blood work or your response to something isn't going the way that we anticipated, we might have to pull things back or we might have to advance things a little bit forward. But 
we at least have some type of allocated structure, some type of you know, pre-planned organization where we say, all right, these phases are going to be in place. They are subject to change. One might get elongated, one might get shortened, but we still have these things in place for you to follow and at least have this goal in mind where there is an end date and there are little goals that you're you know, accomplishing along the way. Amen. I like it. It's like you're kind of like rolling out that carpet and you're just filling in those those missing spots. Uh, Tim, I, and, I, and I just started a plan with you. And, and that's kind of like what I like about what your your style of training is and, and how your coaching is. Um, you kind of just really emphasize the amount of work ethic that is going to take in terms of you have to stick to the plan 100 percent and really add, you know, be adherent to it 100 percent, because otherwise, you <laughs> told me the other day, like, Less than 80% is just not going to cut it. You're going to start to see minimal results at 85. And then you're really going to start to like see good results if you keep it up at 100%. So yeah, absolutely. Keep that outline there. And that, that pre-planning is definitely, definitely super huge. Uh, maybe a lot of the coaches are not doing that. Jeff, man, help me out here. What the hell? Why are we all quiet? <laughs> all right, Come on. Like someone. Jeff Black or me? Whoever no, you want to pick on. I got one. I got one. We'll turn we this into like a business thing here, right? Turn into like not just about the client side, but you know, coaches kind of like doing a disservice to themselves. Um, when when you're when you're starting out, you're gonna want to like you know get every client. You're gonna want to give discounts. You're gonna want to just like do whatever it takes to kind of appease the client. Mm, mm, that's um, a good one, yeah. And, and that's doing a client a disservice as well, in addition to yourself, because number one. The client doesn't really respect themselves or you because it's coming at a really cheap discount. So they're not going to treat it as seriously as if they were paying what you're actually worth. So they are devaluing you and devaluing themselves and the whole process before it even starts. So, you know, now I can, I'm at a point now where I can, you know, tell somebody, if they, they start like haggling with me online. I'll just be like, Hey, fuck off, you know? So, and I have no problem saying that to people directly. Um, because, you know, I charge, <laughs> I've, I've invested a lot of my time and my own money. Yeah. I fucked up a lot and I've, 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 I have the bruises and scars to prove it. Um, so I'm, I'm not going to fucking discount my coaching 50%. And then what really pisses me off is like, you, you give a discount, which I've done before many times. And then you go on their Instagram and they've got like Gucci purses. They got like two Mercedes Benzes. They got like a million dollar vacation home down in Florida. They've got an OnlyFans, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> that's I'm the like, money they saved on you, man. <laughs> <laughs> they, 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 they wheel and deal in all facets of their life. So they got money. So, so, so I'm like, and you can't afford me. Oh, come on, please, please, girl. Come on, get the fuck out of here. So. Yeah. I actually, so discounts, I, discounts. I actually no just discounts. listened to the last podcast that you guys did, the coaching mindset one. The day before I listened to the coaching mindset, I had a call with Austin. Um, and, and one of the things that I asked him flat out was like, dude, I'm getting murdered over here in terms of the amount that I'm charging and the amount of time and effort that I'm putting into things. I was definitely undercharging. Um, and, and, and the reality is, to Jeff's point, I think you end up at a place where before you know it, you have a solid list of clientele. If you do things the right way and you stick with it long enough, you know, um, and, and maybe I just, I, imposter syndrome is a word that Jeff Black used a lot. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, but the bottom line is, you know, I, I'm, I end up with the same amount of time and effort that, that a lot of other coaches are putting in, but yet you're not, you know, bringing home the same amount of money and, and it's disheartening. It's discouraging. So to Jeff's point of view, it's like, you know, I mean, from a coach's point of view, I should say to Jeff's point, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you want to find a way to hate your life real quick 
you know, invest everything you have into coaching um, and, and then don't get the income that some of the other coaches are getting, because I got news for you. It's not about living on a beach. It's not about, you know, all the bullshit that you see on the Facebook ads and whatnot. It's a lot of fucking long fucking days and sitting behind the fucking computer until fucking 1030 at night, answering the same emails over and over and over again. That shit can get, it's, it's a passion. Don't get me wrong. It's a passion. We all love doing it, but it can also get old real quick if you're not making enough money doing it. That's for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just that, brings up, right. that brings up another yeah. one for me. Uh, I know so many people that get into coaching due to that facade that they see. They see this Instagram coach that that claims he's you know a nutrition coach, but he's also you know a business coach, and he's at a beach or he's a digital nomad, and he's doing his work from these beautiful locations. And there's so many people that have come to me and and I've been in discussions with that have gotten into coaching essentially for this glamorous lifestyle and freedom that they think they're going to have. And they're doing it for a paycheck rather than for the passion. And those are the coaches that I see do this for a year. And then they're like, fuck, you know, they might've been able to get clients, you know, initially, whether it be through social media or their marketing skills, but A, they don't have any longevity and B, they're not doing something they love to do this type of career and put 12 hour days in. I know, you know, Jeff, you and Jeff Black and I have spoken. He has a very good schedule in terms of how he allocates his time, but he built up to that. That was after years of putting in 50, 60 hour weeks. So a lot of guys think it's going to be a few hours a day. You're going to answer a few emails, do a couple programs, and you're going to send them off. And those are the same people that are doing a disservice to their clients because they're not passionate about it. And they think it's going to be just for you know, a profit. It's going to be this glamorous lifestyle. And it isn't what it's chucked up to be. Yeah, that's very I'm true. Gonna, I'm going to bounce There's off a ton that. of those coaches out there. I'm going to bounce off that because I think an yeah. area that <clears throat> coaches fail at is – so I had to delete email off my phone. Because what happened was I would be checking it all the time and getting hammered with questions on every single front that it started getting me to be bitter about my phone going off and looking at any, any part of it. So I talked to Matt, who was on our podcast last week. Matt's like, just delete email off your phone. That way, when you sit at your desk, you know, those are just the hours you're there. Because what would happen is it would put me in a reactionary moment. I'm the kind of guy, if I can't immediately react, it pisses me off. Like, I feel like the clock's yeah. suddenly ticking, even though my client's like, cool i'll hear from him in a few hours but to me i'm like shit that's outstanding and i still got like 85 other things to do today and it gets piling so since i did that i think that my quality of work went up because my response got better with my clients because i wasn't on the fringe hinge all the time and i think that's an area that coaches do fail they don't tell their clients or like if a client will keep checking in every single day but the fucking check-in day you need to tell the client hey this is my check-in day. I don't mind occasional questions, but if you can, please save them for the check-in day. That way I can give you an efficient reply that handles everything and you're well taken care of and get the product you do. And I think the failure point to summarize would be coaches need to get better at understanding their boundaries with clients. You know, we do have mental health too to us. We have problems of our clients that we take on. We hear their issues. We have our own issues that we have to burden ourselves with. It's a lot. And I think that that is something that the industry needs to talk about, especially among us elite coaches is our mental health <clears throat> and how we just get the shit whipped out of us by, you know, uh, sometimes with just how it goes and ebbs and flows in the business. Like you were saying, who can hang out longer than a year, you know? Yeah. 100%. I just want to add here real quick that yeah. people don't understand just how much we sacrifice in terms of our personal lives and our own mental health to always be so positive and supportive to other people who are struggling with a lot of issues. It, it really, it's like a battery that gets drained like every single day into empty. 
and you have to constantly refill that. And I know a lot of people who do get burnt out on this or they just stop caring. Hopefully, you know, I never become one of those people, but um, you know, it's not a glamorous job. It may look like that, that online, but you know, I have been at my desk since like, you know, seven something, you know, this morning. Um, and I probably will be until later on tonight. That was the same way it was on Monday. And I worked Sunday, I worked Saturday as well. There are some days I'll work 16 hours. Um, and that's just how it is. So. Yeah, not, not to go too yeah, far left, but I mean, I think we've all kind of experienced a little bit where it's just, there's so much communication there sometimes that it's even, it's hard afterwards, man. It's hard to communicate with anybody, loved ones, family, you know, all that yeah. stuff. It, it, I mean, you're so personal, you're so face-to-face, you're so communicative within, within what we do that it's really hard, you know, to, to, to save anything and give it to the people that are around you, uh, which ends up creating, you know, obviously bad relationships and such. And, you know, if you don't have those boundaries, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's only going to be that much worse because I think this job does that to begin with. You know what I mean? It's almost like a prerequisite to this job to a certain extent, right? So. 100%. Create, creating, yeah, creating workflows. Um, Jeff Black, you, you touched on that kind of just making sure that like what you do stays, uh, I, I guess, organized, um, being able to kind of, you, you say you have so many things on your, on your mind. And if you're not writing things down, if you don't have like a list to go through, I, I'm like a, a geek for all this stuff. I got like a notebook here, another one here. I'm taking all these notes. And like once we're done here, then I got to make sure that I don't, I don't have like a super amount, crazy amount of clients. But the ones that I do have, I want to make sure that they're well taken care of. So I write those mental notes for myself, like make sure that they're doing good on their plan. Make sure that I'm offering the best possible service. So being able to kind of like provide that workflow for myself and build that system out for myself really really helps if you if you're like really unorganized it become the job just becomes really really difficult right, yeah we're jason theobald yep business yeah. wise where do you think coaches fail you've heard our takes on all this where do you think you're like granddad in the online world you know like fucking giving birth to like like all these degenerates out there what's uh what's your take yoda uh i mean I feel like a lot of, you know, the problem is one, one, one area. Okay. In business. And maybe we were already touched on this, but maybe not. I, I feel like people jump into areas that they don't know yet. So, you know, they end up getting bogged down with trying to pull more money and pull clients in situations that they don't, truly understand like maybe healing SIBO or doing something along those lines and that's going to produce bad results and then you're going to get talked badly about like I can't tell you how important referrals are as a coach they're everything like Instagram's cool and I do communicate through people through there etc etc but referrals are huge and and to get a good referral, you have to do a good job. And so if you try to scale too fast um, and take on just every type of case, you're going to have some negative talk about you because, because you didn't produce. Um, So you're better off staying in your lane until you learn and getting those types of referrals and have everyone talking good about you rather than chasing the dollar right away and kind of tarnishing your your reputation because your reputation in really anything that you do you know you want people to say he was moralistic he he didn't have to give me a discount or he didn't have to give me a refund but he refunded me back or you know just all those things 
um, protect your reputation. Because yeah, it takes forever to build, but yet one second to being torn yeah. down. 100%. Yeah. Now, to, to go right. off of that, um, guys, one thing that uh, I think that all of us do well, but that a lot of coaches, you know, don't do well and fail their clients in is not taking responsibility for your actions. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one that's going to say this, but I'll take, you know, full, full account for it is I've messed up before I've made mistakes. I've made the wrong call. You know, I've had people in competitions where, you know, maybe their water cut wasn't done, you know, adequately, or their carb up wasn't where it should have been. They spilled. And I had to take responsibility for that because it wasn't on the client. They followed my instructions. They were, you know, they were adherent to the program. And that's where, as a coach, you need to realize that in anything in life, you need to be the type of person that takes responsibility for your actions, both the good things that you do, so your successes with clients. So most of the time, you know, coaches are posting all their transformations and all their success stories, but there also are failures along the way. So I'm big in just accountability. I'm, I'm always calling myself out and saying, could I have done this better? And then when there are situations where I didn't do the right thing, or I made a, might've made a, a mistake, or, you know, I want to, you know, be responsible and call that out and talk to a client about it and say, Hey, listen, I thought this was the right move. It was with the best intention. It was at that point in my career, you know, early on, I would tell people, listen, you know, I didn't have enough experience with this. You know, I was trying it out and that's on me. You know, I apologize for that. And the next time we do this, I'm going to make sure that, you know, I learned from that mistake. And I feel like a lot of times when you, as a coach, you don't take responsibility for your actions, you kind of neglect it and you kind of sweep it under the rug and you don't learn from that because you didn't have to take responsibility for it. You weren't accountable to your mistakes. So then it essentially defeated the purpose because you're going to repeat those patterns unless you call them out and really acknowledge them and work on them and focus on them. I'm sure anyone on this panel can say that when they've messed up on something, it's eaten away at them. You know, I'll tell you from the context of like a contest perspective, you know, it eats away at you. You can't go to sleep that night because that, that client got second when you knew he could have gotten first if you nailed him. But here's the thing, when you're the type of quality coach that is able to step up to the plate and say, Hey, listen, this wasn't on you. It was on me. And now I'm going to review every note that I gave you for peak week and every decision I made on that game time, you know, you know, on that last minute, I'm going to learn from this. And I think that being responsible and accountable is so important from a coaching perspective. Yeah, I, I, I like this. Uh, it starts with you. It's kind of like a quote that I always have in my head. It starts with you and then uh, those controllables control what you can control, which is essentially what you're saying. Like you, you have the ability to, to make those decisions, then it should be on you. So yeah, absolutely. Wholeheartedly agree. Yeah. I remember I, I, I screwed the pooch on a prep once and I refunded the girl the entire, uh, everything she paid me for like four or five months, I think. And I that was said, good of you. I said, I'm sorry. I messed up. It's all, it's all on me. You know? And then I said, here's, here's all your money back. And she actually came back as, yeah. as a client. So, so that's because you were honest, you, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's what I'm, it's all about. I have a question. Do you think that the way <clears throat> I'm going to actually kick this to Alex and, and I'll be interested to see where it all goes right. from here. Yeah. You're kind of newer into the industry. So therefore you've yeah. kind of seen the way the coaches coaching industry is evolving. And we have seen now yeah. for the last 50 plus years, the way the medical industry, namely healthcare providers has evolved. Do you feel that from the outside looking in that the coaching industry is on the slippery slope that either we kind of get better in a lot of areas or we get viewed at like the multi-level marketing thing Advocare, all the shitty Ooh. coaches, etc. That uh, oh, we look perilously that we're on our way to be because of the Instagram movement. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Instagram plays a huge, huge role into it. At least from my perspective, um, there's definitely like I'm, because marketing is huge. Marketing will sell, 
So if guys can sell that lifestyle, guys can sell that beach lifestyle, that laptop lifestyle, absolutely. It's, it's going to look pretty crazy. It's going to look like something you want to be a part of. Now, I guess it, are, are we getting better? Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think coaches now um, know a lot more than what I, I believe they know back then. I mean, I only know what I know. So, but, but in my opinion, yeah, I, I do think coaches know a lot more. I mean, I, I hear all of you guys talking. I'm like, goodness gracious, you guys are like light years ahead of me. I'm still here, like just trying to build a general nutrition plan for like gen pop people and just trying to make them eat right and, and, and you know, uh, exercise, right? And then like you guys take it to the next level where it's like you like looking at these minute details that can really make those changes. So I do think overall it is getting better, but from the outside looking in, it can be like a lot of douchebaggery, it seems like. Yeah. Brandon, you look like you're salivating at the mouth. No, so I think... It's Tim and his purple hat or you. So whichever one. I, I got it. So the coaching <laughs> industry, I see it very similarly to the supplement industry where my primary career is. And so I've spent the last 12 years, you know, in, in upper level sales and within the sports nutrition industry. And it's become, and I'm sure Jason can attest to this, it's become an extremely saturated market. And a lot of times people look down upon it as a result because the barrier to entry within supplementation, just like in online coaching has been lowered. Essentially, all you need to do is have, you know, a six pack and an Instagram account and you could call yourself a coach. And that's not how it was years ago. I, I know we had recently uh, Renaissance Periodization founder Nick Shaw on, uh, on our podcast and we spoke about how coaching was early on. You had to have credibility. You had to have experience. People were not going to go to you unless you had, you know, real life referrals and a reputation for doing good work. And now that isn't the case. There are people that have six figure businesses just based on their marketing tactics. But here's the thing, in any aspect of life, and I believe, especially in coaching, now and going forward, the cream will always rise to the top. And those who are quality coaches, yeah. like, you know, from Alex's perspective, he's interacting with guys like us, you know, guys on this panel that have experience that are doing the right things by their clientele. So in his viewpoint, you can only see what's in your perspective. So yeah. if he's not being exposed to a lot of the frauds, he's seeing the coaching industry as improving. We're becoming more educated. We're, we're having more chances for education, for continuing education. Think about all the classes that you guys put on, or even podcasts like ours and like yours, where we educate people freely. We answer their questions and we deep dive on topics that years ago, you either had to really comb through medical you know, libraries or go to university to learn, or you had to learn through the boards and in the trenches. People are able to expedite the educational process, but here's the thing. Knowledge without application is going to do nothing. Yeah. So you could, like you were talking about earlier, Jeff, you know, people will accumulate this information and automatically apply it without having the experience to do so. So I believe that despite the fact that the coaching industry will become more and more saturated, because especially in, in today's you know, climate and environment, it's coming to the point where everyone wants to work remotely and online. And it's something that's very attractive. But I ultimately feel that those with the best experience, knowledge, both from, you know, a scientific perspective and, in, you know, an anecdotal and experience perspective will always rise to the top because that's in every industry. If you are a quality individual and professional in what you do, you will succeed. So ultimately, that's who we need to look to. We can't really concern ourselves with those at the bottom of the barrel that are, are unfortunately making a bad reflection on our industry, but we can only control what's in our control. 
Yeah. I want to say yeah. here that, you know, I've told people before who, you know, I just meet that, you know, like I'm an online coach or whatever. And they're like, Oh, really? It's all, it's like, Oh, you're one of those. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what I was saying. It's like a doctor saying like, Oh, you're a doctor. Great. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, oh, like oh. And, and you know, the thing is, is like, like you said, everyone wants that lifestyle. Everyone wants to make money. Everyone wants freedom, right? Human beings. We want freedom. We want to be able to do what we need to do and want to do. And that requires money in our society. Right. So there, no fault to the people who, you know, are, you don't want to make a buck, but you know, I just can't help but laugh a little bit when I see, you know, online coaches who are like 19 years old, 20 years old, where you should be in shape when you're, you know, barely 20, um, saying that they're life coaches and like, you know, that they can coach like people in menopause or what women in menopause and be a life coach. And all. It's like, it's like, you haven't even experienced life yet. It's like, listen, once you w- wait until your mom stops paying for your iPhone, you're going to start crying. So, so like, I just want to say here, I want to impart one piece of advice to people who are out there looking for coaches and trying to make a decision. When you, when you get, when you're doing a consult with a, with a coach and you're considering them, get them on a video call and ask them the tough questions, ask them to explain their reasoning behind things and watch their eye movements, watch if they're reading something on a screen or reading a script or something like that. See if they truly know what they're talking about. Then you can make your decision to see if at least this person knows what they're talking about. Get them on a video call, all right, and see what happens. Yeah, that's that's my fear as far as this, as far as the, the way things are set up right now. Like, what really dictates, you know, uh, somebody being good at what they do is 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 it their level of marketing, right? Because at the end of the day, if somebody does have a solid, you know, eighty thousand followers, whatever it might be, that person can produce quite a bit of clientele. And we all know that at the end of the day, if you are getting a hundred clients, you can fucking suck at what you do and still end up with, you know, 20, 30 of those clients in decent shape from giving out a cookie cutter program over and over and over again. You know what I mean? So in other words, the cream to the crop, I mean, is that, and that sounds like a majority. Yeah. What's that? Well, I'm saying, is that an expression that, you know, uh, indicates you know a good quality coach that has a good quality education or does it indicate somebody that's really good at marketing and advertising because essentially that person is really good at marketing and advertising if they don't do like sue just said and get them on a call and kind of like you know try to decipher what that person truly knows and what they don't you know the reality is that person that's really really good at marketing might do just as well as anybody else for a long period of time within the industry especially if instagram is still going to be the uh the place for all of us, you know? Um, so that, that does scare me a little bit that we're going up against guys like that, where I know people I can fucking, I, I can off the top of my head. I know motherfuckers that are, you know, taking pictures with a Bentley that they rented for the weekend. And, and again, this is getting very, you know, exactly what the fuck I'm talking about. And they, they'll, they'll get a, yeah, you better. They, they'll get a good amount of clients this way. They'll get a great amount of clients this way, but they fucking suck and they have no idea what they're doing. You know what I mean? So again, what, and yeah. that person has been doing it for years. So what really is the cream is going to rise to the top? What, 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 is, what does that mean? Is it the good quality education is going to rise to the top or is it the good quality marketing and advertising that's going to rise to the top? Because I'll tell you right now, ClickFunnels are fucking, they're moneymaker, man. I agree on the click funnels because I'm going to exploit one with relentless. That's what I'm building with pipeline oh. pro. But number two, <clears throat> that's my argument about the industry. Yeah. The people who are quote unquote, the cream of the crop should be doubling down on their leadership because the more that they can lead, the more they can influence to the greater good. And right now that's not what you're seeing in our industry. You're seeing a lot of people trying to lead, but they're trying to lead themselves with their collective band on this collective journey. And I'm like, the more people that 
together, the better this industry turns around. And I think that that's part of what happened in the medical world. You know, the doctors know in the same practice groups wouldn't even fucking talk to each other, you know, and it's kind of like, are we simulating an environment that we tease and make fun of because we call them diagnose and adios. You know, you just go to a doctor, here's a diagnose, adios, get the fuck out, fix it. You know what I mean? And right. are we getting close to that? And that's what I've been wondering because I had a client recently. I said, why have you gone through, I'm trainer number six. I said, why would you want me after like five other trainers? They're like, well, you just seem different. But I just, honestly, I think trainers are a lot like doctors. They just tell you what to do and with no real impact. And I was like, ouch, you know? So now I'm like, I better show something, but it really made me start wondering. I was like, I wonder if this is the view from the outside looking in more than we actually think from the inside looking out. That's a, that's actually an incredible perspective because I think you are who you associate yourself with. So even from my perspective, I'll tell you, and I was speaking on Alex's, but the coaches that I interact with are quality coaches and those are who I surround myself with. So even I might not be seeing, you know, some of the low level coaches that are exploiting marketing and, and really, you know, having quote unquote successful businesses. I'm looking at people that replicate results year in and year out and have had a, a business over the long term. And that's what I deem as being successful. If you could go lay your head down at night, knowing that you did a good service to your clientele, you service them to the best of your ability, you educated them, you did proper programming, and you really got them results in the healthiest way possible. But honestly, you know, this is becoming a saturated market where the click funnels of the world and the marketing systems. And we see all these guys that were quote unquote online physique coaches. Now they're business coaches. You know what I mean? And they've, they've transitioned. And sometimes it makes me wonder, were, were they really a good nutrition coach or were they just good with marketing? And now they've left because they're really not that great at yeah, nutrition. Well, this, this, it's got to say something about me though, because if you look at my Instagram, I fucking suck. I suck at everything, business, marketing, advertising. I am God awful. So but you have now, a successful now, business. Is it, is it, is it, Tim, is yeah, it because you're, because you, I, are, are you like, because a, I send Jeff Black nudes and he lets me come on his podcast once in a while. What do you say now? <laughs> Dude, don't even do Tim, that. I, that dick I, of like, yours. I mean, it's really not that special. I was kind of like, I mean, <laughs> I went only fan sign up for nine 99. No it's fucking way. Not. This is the second podcast I ever did with an Asian man. And I still have the smallest podcast. I still have the smallest dick on the podcast. It's you so missed the joke. I still have the smallest <laughs> podcast. You fucking had your moment there at Sue. And Sue, of all people, when you fucked it up because your purple hat. Oh, man. Shit. It's not oh, a fucking, fuck. you know what? It's what off. color is it? Because it definitely looks purple. <laughs> all right. I, I was supposed to get a haircut today and I didn't. It's not purple. Okay. It's black, dude. I already pulled together, baby. You're tagged in there. I'm going to buy you a slouch beady and just shove a bunch of shrooms and LSD in there and send it to your way and be like from your favorite little bodybuilding hippie south of the Mason. We'll just fucking let it marinate on the scalp. It'll all leak through the skin. Nice. Uh, I'd like to have that conversation afterwards. (laughs) Well, Alex, I think we did a good one, man. You want to wrap this baby up? You land the plane, baby. Yeah. Hell yeah, man. I think it was a great podcast. I actually got kicked off a little bit because I had that Wi-Fi issue, but we got back on. We wrapped it up today. We were talking about how coaches fail their clients so we have a lot of good notes um people you have you have to really systemize things and 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 have a good proper way of being able to organize your thoughts so i mean we we went round table here we spoke about a lot of good things so i'm just gonna leave it at that guys um huge huge pleasure coming on the podcast today it was a, <laughs> I mean, we've been looking forward to this for a long time. So truly appreciate you guys having us on and doing this takeover. And guys, thank you so much for listening to the Excellence Cartel. This is Alex alongside Tim and Brandon signing off with the ECC podcast. Jeff, I'll let you finish off and uh, take it away there. 
Well, guys, thank you for coming, Alex. I got to work on my voice tonight. I'll be gargling in the shower while I stroll my balls for a little bit. Um, guys, it was a pleasure. I didn't roast him as much as I wanted to. I was very, very hopeful of the opportunities, but he managed to do the five rules of dodgeball today, but next time he won't be so lucky. But uh, next week we have Letitia Bass joining us to talking about living with PCOS and truths and myths about it. So that'll be a great podcast. But guys, seriously, thank you so much for joining us. I look forward to taking over your all's podcast and having a great conversation. Oh, yeah. We kill this off. Let's all hang on because I have an idea for the follow up with you guys. But guys, thank you for tuning in. You all have yourself a great day. See y'all later. Peace.